anytime we have to confront somebody, it usually doesn't go well. And that's why most of us, when there's a problem between two Christian friends, two sisters, two brothers, brother, sister, regardless, when it comes to seeing a form of hypocrisy in someone or someone is doing something that runs contrary to the Bible, we typically say nothing and do nothing. Well, in today's passage, as we look at Galatians chapter 2, we're actually going to see two apostles coming together and one of them calling the other one out. So get out your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 2, and let's get into it. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? I pray you guys are standing strong in your faith, that you're blessed, that your family is safe, and that as we gather together on this episode, that you and I will grow in God's word together, that this will help you guys. It will revitalize you. It will give you a renewed strength, a, a purpose in more meaning as you are living the life that God has called you to live. And you know, we cannot do that without the power of God's word. I love, let me just say, before we do dive into the passage today, I love, first and foremost, coming into this studio and teaching the Bible to you guys. Now, I know we're not face-to-face. I get very kind letters and emails and you know messages on social media from many of you guys and keep them coming, by the way. I pray uh, that more of you guys would reach out you know, so I could get to know you guys and that we can build a relationship. And even people that I know in my own hometown who listen to the podcast and tell me whether I'm in the gym or at church or out and about teaching somewhere. And I so appreciate that, you guys, because this is a community. Now, having said that, what I want to also add before we jump into Galatians chapter 2, 6 through 10, is I just love, love seeing my friends whether I quickly just jump on you version or look around at church and seeing my friends taking notes and listening or talking to my ministry friends and we have the Bible open and we're having a discussion. Because oftentimes what happens is, especially in a culture where so many of us are biblically illiterate, we don't know much. We can't cite the 66 books of the Bible. And I'm not saying you're not holy because you can't do that. But the point is, is that you don't know how to navigate. You don't make sense of scripture. And so they're just, you know, bits and pieces of information about the Christian faith that you get. And a lot of it just kind of a feel good, positive message that, you know, kind of helps you through the day, almost like you're taking a supplement. And you know, you guys, that here, stand strong in the word means that we got to dive into the meat of it. Now, obviously, this is not a seminary lecture where I'm going for two hours and I'm breaking down, you know, the original language, et cetera. But oftentimes we'll do that um, and, and, and it's necessary. But we just kind of also just touching on the passage verse by verse in chronological order. So I pray it's a blessing to you guys. I love to hear from you. 
I want to know how this is touching your guys' life and know that even as I am in the studio right now recording, I am praying that this message, this particular passage that we're going to go through, because it's dealing with hypocrisy, it's dealing with confrontation, that this has affected most, if not all of you, at some point in time in your life. And I guarantee, because to be honest, I'm faced with a challenge right now with, I'm thinking about it right now, like two situations that I have to confront at some point. Now, when I say I have to confront at some point, that's not to imply that I'm ignoring the situation or I'm avoiding it, right? No, what I'm doing right now is I'm praying and I'm looking at passages of scripture to put my case together and hopefully to do it with clarity and charity to win the brother over. One of the situations is a man left his wife, his family. These are tough situations, you guys. But what does the scripture tell us? What is our responsibility? And even as I look at this passage today in Galatians chapter 2, where Paul confronts Peter over hypocrisy, what do you do? Are, of course there's hypocrisy from your standpoint at times and mine. We're not going to do things perfectly, but if let's say in, a, in putting out a real life scenario that you have somebody in the church, a leader, deacon, elder, maybe even a pastor, somebody's well-regarded, who runs a ministry, and they're living a life of hypocrisy, whatever that is, what do you do in that situation? So hopefully in this podcast today, podcast 166, again, the titles, Paul Confronts Peter Over Hypocrisy, we'll, le- we'll learn a thing or two about how you can respond. I pray this will help you guys because I know they're very delicate. And I've had a lot of cases, a lot of situations that, go, that went south when I had to confront somebody over hypocrisy and they didn't take it well. So there's no guarantee. And if you know this passage, We know that Peter did respond and praise God for that. But we know that's not always the case, right? We wish it was. And maybe even perhaps let's turn the table on ourselves, on you, my friend. Have you lived a life of hypocrisy and somebody, a dear brother, dear sister, or family member that you respect, but you've had some issues and they've confronted you and you did not respond? in accordance to scripture, that you quench the spirit. And as a result of it, uh, you, maybe the two of you are not even talking anymore. So this is a very important stuff. So as always, go to standstrongministries.org, check out our ministry, books, podcasts. I've been telling you guys, we're going to be rolling out a new podcast called Challenging Conversations with Jason Jimenez. We're actually, and many of you guys know that I had gotten COVID really bad. So I was out completely for a month. I'm, I'm, I'm still recovering but doing so, so much better. So thank you for your prayers, all of you guys, for your concerns and just your love for my family and praying for the ministry. But as, you know, we went through that, there's a lot of stuff that, of course, I had to put on hold, but I'm now scheduling uh, uh, shows with different friends and colleagues of mine, and we're going to be teaching you guys, and you go, this podcast is being grounded in God's word. And then the next podcast about challenging conversations is about what does it look like as a Christian now in our faith, not with the knowledge of scripture, how do we engage the culture that way? How do we use philosophy, apologetics, reason? Um, you know, what kind of tactics can we use 
to befriend people who are atheists or in the LGBT community or Christians who buy into the woman has a right to have an abortion. So I'm going to be bringing in a lot of experts, a lot of friends. It's not an interview format. This is two friends dialoguing, myself and another friend. And we're going to be talking about challenging topics, you know, controversial things, things that are taboo, critical race theory, racism, things like that. We're going to be dealing with sexuality, sex outside of marriage. What does it look like in the culture? What if somebody, you know, is a porn addict and, and you know, or an alcoholic and you need to have that challenging conversation. How do you do it? So week after week, we're going to be putting that out. So you're going to be finding that out more. If you're not on my email blast, you can go to stanstromministries.org and right there on the homepage, you can put your email and click and you'll, you'll start getting our e-news that we put out every week. Um, also, you know, again, like I said, you'll get notices about the new podcast. It's going to be coming out in October. That's, that's kind of the mark that we're looking at right now. Um, and then any previous podcast, you can always check on the website and click on podcast and see all of the archives that are there. So with that being said, you guys, without further ado, let's now jump into Galatians chapter two. And again, we're going to be looking at a short passage here, but we cannot dismiss it by just jumping into verse 15 and following. And I did this intentionally because, you know, when you get into the justification by faith in 16 through 21, you know, he, cha he changes gears here. And it's important for us to look at this with this hypocrisy thing and kind of settle in on this. This is important. And so I hope this is a blessing to you guys. And so right off the bat here, you see from right after, and this is, this is what's important, right after him talking about getting approval, he has his approval from God, but he gets the right hand side, he gets the right hand of fellowship from James and Peter and John. So notice, he knows that Peter in verse nine who was a part of giving him and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that they're, 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 they're leaders in Jerusalem, they're leaders as apostles. Peter is probably marked as the apostle who's, who's doing the most work, if you will. And there's a lot of stories circulating about Peter. I mean, he was a big deal when you look at it in the Gospels. Okay, he's not the hero in the Gospels. Only Jesus is. But you see that there's a big influence. And Paul recognizes that. Okay? He described his unworthiness. And he also described his particular specific calling that God had given him. And to reach the poor in verse 10. And so when we will look at verse 11 now, it says, But when Cephas, but when Peter, came to Antioch, which is located in Syria, I opposed him to his face. It literally means in Greek that he faced him down <laughs> in his presence. Now, of course, this is not like, I, I was envisioning this, but I'm telling you guys, it's not true. Okay, this is just like dramatized, you know, setting here. Um, you know, I almost look like the, the, the face down when you're watching WWE, you know, SmackDown, you know what I mean? They come in the arena after all the music and the smoke and the fans are going crazy and they're doing their dance and they're hitting their chest and they're all sweaty already, you know, before they've even fought and they jump into the ring, you know, and they're facing each other down. That's not like Paul versus Peter kind of thing. So it, that's, let's not overreact here or over-dramatize the situation. 
It's just the language here is they had a fierce sit down talk, if you will. They were face to face. So this was not over the phone, if you will, right? This was not in front of a bunch of people. Now, the reason he does this, we're told, is because he stood condemned. Now, we'll touch on that in a minute. Verse 12 says, For before certain men came from James. So notice, the leader in Jerusalem, the half-brother Jesus, this came from James. Now, I just want you guys to kind of think about this. Is James gossiping? Right? See, I actually use this passage of Scripture as an example, and I was just talking to a pastor friend of mine earlier in the week, and he had said something. I knew what he said. I knew what he meant. I didn't like, well, let me just cite Galatians 2.12 to you. But confidentially, we were talking about a situation, and he says, I I don't want to be gossiping here. And we almost have to put that out there uh, to make it sound like, well, you know, this isn't gossip. I know it's not gossip. The guy reached out to me because there is a problem. James told people like Paul because there was a problem brewing with Peter. That's not gossip. So James was going, not going around telling a bunch of people. Notice, for before certain men came from James, he was eating with Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back. That literally means he withdrew out of fear and separated himself, fearing, the Greek word here is, there was this intense stress or concern that Peter was undergoing or that he was experiencing or that came upon him when the circumcision party showed up. All right? So he was intimidated to the point where he would leave the Gentile people and only associate or hang out with the circumcised. And that was getting out. And James was one of the people that was trying to address us. Now, we don't know in Scripture from this standpoint. We know of the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. They're all there together, working together to refute false doctrine about meaning meaning you have to follow the law, you have to be circumcised in order to be saved. So, and I'll get into that in a minute in in the text when I provide commentary. But what's interesting here is that, again, Peter was doing great, right? He recognizes God's hand on Paul. He's reaching the Jewish people and some Gentiles, but then he blows it. And you think, man, you know, there have been times in my life where God really was using me. I felt really close to God. And then I looked at porn. Or I got drunk at a party. Or I just started to get very anger, just filled with, like, like, like in rage. And I started to get filled with anger when I lost my job. Or my wife and I have been fighting so much more now ever since I started to lead uh, this Bible study. Whatever the case is, guys, this happens to all of us, okay? And this is starting to happen to Peter. And again, this is what's so amazing with Peter, you guys, is you go through the Gospels and there's so many stories about when Jesus encountered him, told him to cast out the nets and he did it in Luke 5, I believe it is. 
And then he says, my Lord and my God, like depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And then you got, you know, Peter says, I'll never abandon you. And then you got Peter saying, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out in the water. And then you got Jesus telling Peter, I've been praying for you, Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Satan's trying to buffet you. And then he says, because of your confession, Peter, in Matthew 16, I will build my church on that confession where Hades cannot destroy it. I mean, all of these great lessons, and there's so many more when it comes to the end when he denies him three times and he restores him three times. And then you see Peter on the day of Pentecost standing up. This is the guy. And now in Galatians, Paul's first letter, guess who he's talking about? Peter. And the sad thing is, it's almost like your son or daughter who always gets called out for doing things that are dumb or foolish or making mistakes. Nobody's going to like that. And yet it's Peter. It's not Thaddeus, right? It's not Philip. It's not James or John. It's Peter who's making some mistakes because of out of fear of the circumcision. I always find that interesting, you guys, about Peter. That's why I have to say, you know, the more that you have been broken in life and God teaches you things, you can get older, you know, and married now for over 20 years, raising four kids and got two in college. I mean, it breaks you. It humbles you. You're like, God, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. And that's why I love, love Peter. And I hope he, I know he speaks to you guys, right? When you study the life of Peter. And if you, as a matter of fact, if you've never studied his life just through the gospels and the book of Acts and Galatians, do so. And I, I'll be honest right now, I'm even thinking about it. I'm starting to, you know, uh, get teary-eyed here because it just has meant a lot to me when I've studied the mistakes of Peter and, and, and looking at my own mistakes and how I have failed God. So anyway, let me just compose myself here and get to verse 13. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. Ooh. So this is not just an isolated situation, is it? So think about some of the things in your life when you see a leader Someone who's got some persuasion, right? They got some swag. They got some influence. And so Peter's hypocrisy is now affecting other Jews. And guess what? And notice, and this is why I apologetically in on my YouTube channel and even sometimes in some articles, I will call people out by name, pray for them. I don't want any harm against them. I want them to repent. But I call them out by name because in this passage, again, verse 13, guess what? So that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So guys, Paul in this letter is calling people out by name. There's a time to do it and there's a time not to do it. But biblically inspired by the Holy Spirit, this is the time to do it. And so in verse 14, but when I saw, Paul says, that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. That's the key. I just did recently a video. You can check it out. Go to my YouTube channel, Jason P, as in Philip, Jason P. Jimenez. Or you can just punch in author Jason Jimenez or pastor Jason Jimenez or apologist Jason Jimenez. But recently I did a video on Steve Furtick. Didn't want to do it. Okay. I live in the same town where he lives. I've seen it grow. I've heard amazing stories that have come out of Elevation Church. 
There are a lot of songs from Elevation, the worship, you know, that I love. There's a lot that, you know, of course, I think are controversial or not really theologically sound. Um, and I know friends who still attend there that have been in leadership or that are staff members who are, who are really anointed and called by God. Uh, and so I, I, so for that reason, it was hard, but doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. Okay. If you know me, that's just not my style. I just, if I see somebody being bullied, if I see false doctrine, if I see a false teacher, if they're taking things out of context, uh, I'm going to say something. Okay. I'm going to say something. And I'll be honest, there's been times when I have said something and I wasn't really filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, I was calling out false doctrine, but the way in which I did it was not the right way. And, and I learn, I pray I learn and, and God humbles me and I'm sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit as I pray you are as well. But the point is, is I, I did this video because he was teaching things that run contrary to the Bible, plain and simple. In essence, he's teaching positive confession. He holds a view that's known as process theism. And so when he's saying, when God said in Exodus 3.14, I am who I am, or I am that I am, and he says to his audience, that when God was saying that, he says, as I am, you are. That is heresy. That's not even in the text. God does not share himself. He was not saying, because I'm awesome, you're going to be awesome. Because in the context, and I go through it, he never says it about Moses. Yeah, Moses was weak. He's got a stutter. He gives him Aaron. He says, you'll get through this. But he doesn't compare himself to Moses and say, Moses, you're like me in that sense. Totally out of context. And he's been doing this repeatedly because just like here, but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. So when they're not in step in the truth of the gospel, you have to call it out. So Paul says to Peter before them all, notice this is a public thing. Why? Because it's been spreading. James was trying to deal with it quietly saying it to the right people to resolve the situation without it being gossip. But the hypocrisy of Peter, because of his position being a pillar in the church, Paul's got to rebuke it publicly. If you, he says, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Now, Let's take a step back. Now, remember, Paul's confirmed. People know him as an apostle now. The leaders in Jerusalem, the apostles themselves, they'd given him the right hand of fellowship, and he's got his marching orders of who he's called to reach that God had already told him. Jesus, that is, who is a second person of the Trinity, told him in Acts chapter 9. But one of the first things he does in getting the right hand of fellowship is he's got to call out one of his own, a fellow colleague, an apostle. So this is important. You jump back to verse 11 when he opposes Peter to his face. See, not only did Paul call out false teachers, right? We just were talking about that in verses six through nine in chapter one. We see that displayed in Galatians two, verses four and five. So Paul's calling out false teachers. But he also is confronting fellow Christians like Peter. 
And the reason is because he's resorting back to the Judaizers and he's neglecting fellowship with the Gentiles. So you guys, that's a both-end process. And apologetically, I don't often just spend refuting the atheist, if you will, but calling out false teachers and showing you guys why they are a false teacher, how they're twisting scripture, because what happens like these Judaizers, because people even like Peter. Now, maybe, you know, of course, Peter's not as educated as Paul, but he's filled with the same Holy Spirit. We see in Acts chapter four that he's expounding on scripture and the religious leaders are like, my gosh, these are uneducated people, but they realized they had been with Jesus. So Peter has had the best teacher in the world. All right. So he's in good standing. He's not an idiot. And yet, even Peter, you guys, is resorting back to Judaism. Even Peter is ignoring fellowship with the Gentiles, knowing that the gospel, that knowing that Jesus, his Savior, died for them as he died for the Jews. And ironically, Peter went to Antioch, remember, to support the Gentiles. He went to the Gentile church. So see, Peter's doing this kind of stuff, but then something happens just like it happens to us. So when he opposes him, what Paul did was he, he met with Peter. And I love this. He goes to see him face to face. This is how important this is. And when he, when he comes to him, he challenges his way of treating the Gentiles who put their faith in Christ Jesus. Now, when you look at the, 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 the significance of this confrontation, which again is very major, we have very few of this explaining to this degree on a personal lever, level than any other epistle or writings in the New Testament. But this confrontation, you guys, was important. I want you guys to hear me because God is probably, and I know for a fact, is calling some of you guys to have to confront some of the hypocrisy that you're seeing. Maybe it's in your church leadership. But this helped Peter admit guilt because of what Paul did what he was willing to do. It caused him to repent. Number two, it prevented the spread of compromise throughout Antioch among Jews and Gentiles. That's huge. And three, it solidified Paul's authority among the apostles and the early church. And guys, that's what happens sometimes is other people start being led astray and then someone like you steps in and brings them back. Now, verse 12 James is going, you know, to certain people talking about, you know, he's eating with Gentiles. And then, but then when the Judaizers, the circumcised party comes, Peter gets scared and he bails. So this group of Judaizers, again, who allegedly came from James, they were telling Peter and other Jews that they still needed to abide by the dietary uh, restrictions in order to attain purity as well as liberty in the law. Now, some commentators differ on this phrase before certain men came from James. I tend to think that, yes, of course, James is still associating himself with Judaizers. Doesn't mean that he's compromising like Peter was. He's a Jew. He's in Jerusalem. The temple's there. And all of the different sects of religious leaders are there as well. And so that was James's way of, you know, politically in a good sense, engaging these people. Now, when you go back to the Jerusalem Council that I mentioned earlier in Acts 15, remember, this would later, so this is not yet. And this is what's so cool because going back to when Peter is confronted by Paul, it helped motivate Paul when he 
or Peter when he goes to the council. Because this would later repudiate the claim that these Judaizers were sent by James and passed down a ruling that Gentiles didn't need to be circumcised. And that there would be no need to abandon fellowship with Gentiles over matters of dietary and purity restrictions. So even though Paul calls out Peter and he repents and gets things right, things still escalate to where now James and Peter and Paul and Barnabas come together to fight against the circumcision party. Isn't that cool? That's redemption, you guys. That's reconciliation. Because Peter's hypocrisy, when we're told that he feared the circumcision, what it, what it exposed was his selfish desire to want to belong to the elite group of Judaizers. He, he cared so much, Peter, of how much people thought of him that it started to create something in him to compromise his beliefs. And then when he started to compromise, he, it started to affect his relationships with these Gentile Christians that were relying on Peter. They were getting support from Peter. And then all of a sudden, uh, he was pulling away, right? Has that ever happened to you? And, and not only that, you guys, it wasn't just compromising his beliefs. It wasn't just breaking fellowship with the Gentile Christians. But Peter was jeopardizing his standing as an apostle of the gospel. And as a result, he began, he was not a heretic, but he began to embrace heretical teaching. And you got to love Paul stepping in there and saying, hey man, let's confront this head on. And so now when Peter was doing this, remember this word hypocrisy because he was leading other people astray is hypocrisis. It literally means to act in an ungodly fashion. And so Peter's compromise is causing a good friend of Paul's to also feel the pressure, feel the burn, if you will, and starts pulling away. It's Barnabas. And Barnabas, remember, he was a disciple who persuaded the apostles to take in Paul as one of their own, Acts 9.27. So you guys listen, and I'm saying this for myself. As I say to my, my pastor, my advisors, uh, several colleagues that I work with during the year, my board members, I can be led astray. I can sin. I need accountability. Barnabas, the brother who brings everyone together and encourages everybody, was being led astray along with Peter. Guys, this was heavy stuff. Remember, Barnabas, he appears 29 times in the book of Acts. And he's mentioned by Paul five times in his letters. And even though Peter and Barnabas believed in the message of grace, right? They, again, nonetheless, they were, they were being swept up in the cultural and social structures of influential Jews. And they were reverting to false teaching, saying that by looking towards the law, following the law, being circumcised, you know, that observance of the law, holiness is attained and you only have to, and you can only associate with people who believe that and so yeah these gentiles are taking jesus for granted because remember the judaizers they weren't saying jesus isn't the messiah they're saying hey have your jesus but make sure you're observing the law and so paul that's what he pointed out to peter that essentially catch this paul confronts peter like jesus 
confronted the Pharisees. That's what Paul did. He says, you're acting like a Pharisee when you're avoiding the Gentile Christians. And so notice when he saw their conduct was not a step with the truth of the gospel, he said to Peter, now this is key. If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So Paul calls out Peter, he calls him out for falsely telling Gentiles to observe the dietary laws of the Jews. And now it's clear here that Peter, remember, was still struggling with the salvific truth that God liberated the Gentiles through the gospel of Jesus. Because not long ago, remember, before Peter's public display of partiality, God had sent him to share the gospel to Cornelius and his family back in Acts chapter 10. Remember, he struggled then. So that struggle was still there, you guys. But when, I love this phrase in verse 15, when Paul says to Peter, when he records it here in his letter, we ourselves are Jews. What essence, what he's showing him is the difference is when you go and he'll write this later, and I guarantee he's still thinking about this and then thinking about the Jerusalem council in Acts 15. In 1 Corinthians 9, 20 through 23, Paul demonstrates how he ministered to Jews and Gentiles without compromise by saying, to the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. Though under the law, I became as one under the law. Though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, remember this is specific now to Peter, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all. Notice, Paul says, for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. So in closing, you guys, when we see this confrontation, you see Paul lovingly engage Peter and look at the impact it had. And that's what I want you guys to think about. Instead of looking at, well, um, if I do this, uh, they won't be my friend anymore, or they're going to go on Facebook and rip on me, and they're going to you know, they're going to, they're going to privately record it and then they're going to air it out there for people. And I don't want that. Or what if they start yelling at me? Don't worry about that. If you know, God has called you to confront somebody who's living a hypocritical life, clarity and charity, speak clearly about what's wrong here. Show them scripture and charity is give them the benefit of the doubt, extend grace, but don't compromise. So three powerful lessons we see here that Paul taught Peter. Number one, and hopefully this will be applicable uh, at some point of what you're dealing with right now, is you guys, we cannot as Christians be men pleasers. Because remember, that's what Peter was doing. And it stressed him out so much because he cared so much about pleasing the circumcision party. Galatians 1.10, the same letter. Paul said, for I am now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, notice, I would not be a servant of Christ. Peter, Paul says to him, if you continue to care more about the circumcision party than the calling that Christ has given you that you walked and talked with for three and a half years and, and you saw his resurrected body and you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, 
then you're not a servant of Christ. You're not doing what Christ called you to do. And he called you to tend his sheep. Number two, Christians are not to follow false teaching. Well, Jay, that's pretty obvious. Well, not in our culture today. Galatians 4, 9. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? See, when we come to Christ, we don't go to artifacts or rituals or observances thinking that confirms my salvation or maintains or sustains my salvation. That was a reminder that Paul taught Peter. And finally, so don't be a man pleaser. Don't be following false teaching. And lastly, Christians are not to live hypocritical lives. Galatians 6, 3, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And that's where Peter got. So see the rest of these chapters to come in Galatians, it's almost like, okay, Peter is our model here of what went wrong and how to restore it. So you guys take this passage, go over it again to help you deal with any confrontation or challenging conversation you have to deal with when you look around and you see, because you guys, we know, we look around, you see a lot of hypocritical Christians. Now you can't be out there like this physical therapist when you're slam packed every day, like a full-time job of just confronting one hypocritical Christian after the other. You got to pray for wisdom of where to start and who to start with. So thank you guys for listening. Until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the Word of God.